Today we're going to begin with it, just a day in the life of the great prophet Elisha. We begin our story in 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Talking about Elijah, it says, He went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going on the way, some small boys came out to the city and jeered at him, saying, Go away, bald head, go away, bald head. Evidently, Elijah was bald. Now you know. When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord, and then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Don't you love that story? If you're bald, you love that story, don't you? An interesting Old Testament story. And what do we learn from this? Well, don't pick on bald people would be a lesson, I would think. Stay out of their hair. Another one thing I heard that. I'm not sure it would be good of a, if all of us had the power to curse people in the name of the Lord. Are you? You're already agreeing. You, you just don't think we should have that power. To sick bears on unruly children. To call fire down from heaven. Can you imagine 285 if you had that kind of power? <laughs> we just charred ruins everywhere along the loop. Those small boys would have been well advised to show respect. To Elijah. And today we're going to talk about respect before we go further. Let's pray. Lord, the world is changing and has. And it does seem like it would be a better place with something as simple as more respect. The way we treat others with honor and preference. So Father, help us to do what we can to show the world the kind of love and treatment that you would have us to. Forgive us when we fail that. In Jesus' name, amen. I did not watch the debate. Anybody with me not watch the debate? That's interesting. Most of us did not watch the debate. I'll tell you why I did. I just can't stand to watch the disrespect from both sides. I remember the last one I watched was many, many elections ago, and after that, I just, I just gave up. Our, our world suffers from a lack of respect. On the front of your bulletin, those of you that have lived a little while saw the picture of little John Kennedy saluting his father's casket in the horse-drawn carriage. You remember November 1963, and you remember that picture probably from that moment on. And I thought that was a great illustration of respect in our world. And in the last 50 years from that moment, if a president was shot, can you not see hecklers along the route now showing no respect whatsoever? That is what has happened in our society in those years. What's the word respect mean? Well, Webster defines respect. Um, as to feel or show honor or esteem for, or to show consideration for. Well, let me define honor, esteem, and consideration. Honor is to show high regard, esteem to value highly, consideration having regard for others and their feelings. So respect is to feel or show high regard for, or to value highly, have regard for others and their feelings. When you respect someone, you care about them how you make them feel, and you treat them better because of that. I was raised to show respect, especially for my elders. 
If you grew up in the South, most likely you learned the term, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. And when Taylor was growing up and Ellen were growing up in Mississippi, they learned, yes sir, yes ma'am, no sir, no ma'am. And then we moved to Indiana. And that's not a habit in the Midwest. And when our children were in elementary school and high school and the teacher would say something, they'd say, yes sir, yes ma'am, no sir. And the teachers didn't know quite how to handle that. But I was proud that Taylor and Ellen continued that. It's a habit I continue to this day. I was raised to show it, and I vividly remember in Mississippi being with my father and a black man named Ray Yarbrough. We were cutting wood. Actually, Ray, Daddy was cutting it, Ray was splitting it with the axe, and I was picking it up and putting it in the truck. That was what I was qualified to do. 11, 12 years old, and Ray was probably in his 50s, and he would call me sir. And that really bothered me. But it was Mississippi, and it was a cultural thing. It was a, a, a result of Ray's upbringing in the society at the time. And I remember when this 50-year-old grown man was calling me a little squirt, sir, all I could do was call him sir right back. So he would call me sir, and I would call him sir. And he would call me sir, and I would call him Mr. Yarborough. And he would look at me. Like he didn't know what I was trying to do. I was trying to show him respect. I'll never forget that lesson. I knew as a young boy that that man deserved my respect. And I'm learning as a Christian. And this was hard. I'm learning as a Christian that all who live and breathe deserve my respect. All who live and breathe deserve my respect. And that one is difficult. The Bible says we are to love one another. It sounds good, but can we really do it? Someone said, I love mankind, it's just people I can't stand. <laughs> Maybe you understand that. To some people are just irritating. Even if we're not careful, people at church can sometimes be difficult to love. Sometimes we sing a little chorus, I'm so glad I'm part of the family of God. Remember that one? While we're doing that, we might be looking at the person next to you and going, I can't believe you're a part of the family. <laughs> we might be singing that. And it can be hard, but we have to show respect. Ephesians 4.29 talks about one way can, we can do it in which with our language. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. We can stop with that. Everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. When we understand that we are to respect everyone, we learn to be careful with our words. The words that uh, we use should always be positive and respectful of others. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, we're given instructions on how we should live. We're told to be careful with our words. We're told to desire God. We're told to remember we are God's. We're told to live a life that our non-believing neighbors would admire. We're told to accept authority. And then we get to verse 17. In verse 17 of 1 Peter 2 says... Respect everyone, 
love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. But we're going to concentrate just on the first two words. Just the first two words. Respect everyone. You see any wiggle room here? You see any out calls so you can take some that you don't, that cheer for the other team? Do you have any way to get out of this? I don't think we do. Respect everyone. When these words were written, there were slaves in the Roman Empire. And people saw them as non-persons with no rights. That's really not a human being. That's a slave. That is a, just, that's proper. And when these words were written, it included them. And it said to respect everyone. And what Peter's saying is, you know, if, if that's how you've treated slaves, or if that's how you've seen them treated, that doesn't belong to a Christian. You don't treat anybody that way. And when I see respect everyone, and I hear don't treat anybody that way, I have to look at how I treat anyone and everyone. We're to honor all men, women, every kind of person. Every variety of person deserves honor and respect, whether high or low, doesn't matter. Everybody is worthy to be honored because they are created in the image of God. And as Christians, we ought to be leading the parade and showing respect to the world. That doesn't mean that we agree with everything they do. It doesn't mean that we like everything they do. But as Christians, we ought to be showing respect because that person is created in the image of God. Unfortunately, that's not the reputation of the church, is it? It's not. Unfortunately, that's not the reputation of Baptists at times, is it? Can we do something about it? I read a story that I love about a monastery. An old monastery that had fallen on hard times. Centuries earlier, it had been thriving in, in just a very lively order where many dedicated monks came and lived and worked and had great influence. But now, it had declined and there were only five old monks left. It was a dying order. A few miles from the monastery, there lived a hermit who had the reputation of being a bit of a prophet, fortune teller. So one day the five monks went to see the old hermit to see if he had any advice. Maybe he could show them something they could do to save the monastery. So the hermit had them come into his hut. They told him why they were there. He said, yeah, I understand how it is. The spirit has gone out of the people. Hardly anyone cares much for old things anymore. But the monks want to know, is there anything you can tell us the abbot said that, that would help us save the monastery. No, I'm sorry, the hermit said. I, I don't know how your monastery can be saved. The only thing I can tell you is that one of you is an apostle of God. One of you is an apostle of God. So the monks left the hermits disappointed that he didn't think of anything that could save the monastery, but wondering what the hermit could have meant by one of you is an apostle of God. And for weeks and months after the visit, the monks pondered the significance of those words. One of you is an apostle of God. Did he actually mean one of the five? 
They thought to themselves, that's impossible, we're too old, we're too insignificant. But on the other hand, what if it's true? And if it's true, which one of us is it? One monk was thinking about the others. You think he meant the abbot, he thought to himself? Yeah, he probably meant, if anyone, he meant the abbot. He's been our leader for more than a generation. <coughs> but on the other hand, you know, he, he could have meant Brother Thomas. Brother Thomas is a holy man. He's full of wisdom. He couldn't have meant Brother Elred. Elred is crotchety at times, and he's difficult to reason with. But on the other hand, he's almost always right. Maybe he did mean Brother Elred. Surely he couldn't have meant Brother Philip. Philip's so passive and shy, he's a real nobody. But he's always there when you need him. He's loyal and he's trustworthy. Maybe he meant Philip. And then the monk thought, well, he didn't mean me. He couldn't have possibly meant me. I'm just ordinary. Suppose he did. Suppose I'm the apostle of God. I couldn't be that, could I? So as all of the five monks mulled over the hermit's words, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect on the odd chance that the other one might be an actual apostle of God. And on the off chance that it might be themselves, they began to treat themselves with better respect. Because the monastery was a public place situated in a beautiful forest, many times people would come to picnic nearby and come to walk on its paths and to go to the tiny chapel and meditate. And as people visited, they sensed some, something different about the monastery, the respect that the old monks seemed to radiate from them. There's something compelling about it. Hardly knowing why, people began to come back to the monastery more frequently to picnic and to pray and to visit. They began to bring friends with them to show the special place. Their friends brought friends. As more visitors came, some of the younger men started to talk with the old monks. After a while, one asked if they could join. Then another. Then another. And within a few years, the monastery was a thriving order thanks to the hermit's gift. Now I love the story, but put it into practice. You have gone into a business where you have been treated like dirt, and you have said, I'll never go back in there. You done that? I'll never go back in there again. On the other hand, you've had a good experience somewhere. Their prices might have been a little bit higher, it might be a little bit further drive, but because they treated you a way you like to be treated, you will go back. It's a wonderful gift, respect. A few years ago, I was called upon to do a funeral for an unchurched family that had a child pass away. I met with the parents, and they were devastated, and they were numb, and they were angry. And... They asked if I would send them my ideas for the funeral. So I typed up a service. And at the very beginning, I put celebration of life, and I put the child's name, and I put the date. And then there were nine pages of ideas, stories, and scripture to use that are appropriate for the death of a child because the child had not reached the age of accountability. And I'm convinced with all my heart the child is with Jesus in heaven. Well, the family wasn't sure what they believed especially after the death of a child. And so they revised my words and sent it back. And the only thing they saved was celebration of life 
the child's name and the date. The rest of the nine pages they didn't want. And so they gave me what they wanted me to say at the child's funeral. They didn't want me to pray. They didn't want me to read scripture. They wanted me to use their words. Now I had an interesting choice, didn't I? You see my dilemma? I could have said, you know, wait a minute. I'm a pastor and, and I'm going to have to do this. And then I began to think, you know, they just lost a child. They don't need a jerk to deal with. It. And I said, okay. And so I went to the funeral home over at East Cobb and I read what the parents wanted me to read. I had to show them respect even though I didn't like it. The last thing they needed was a pastor who didn't respect them. When Ira Gillette was a missionary to East Africa, he returned home after being overseas and told of an interesting phenomenon. He noticed how groups of Africans would walk past government hospitals many extra miles to receive the same exact medical treatment at the missionary's compound. They would walk past a hospital run by the state to get to a hospital run by the missionary for the same medicine. He finally asked a particular group why they walked the extra distance when the same treatments was available miles back. And the reply, the medicines may be the same, but the hands are different. The medicine may be the same, but the hands are different. I love that. We are to be different. We are to be ambassadors, representing him to the world. And when we treat others the way he treats us, because we don't deserve the treatment we've been given, do we? When we treat them with love and respect, watch the older girl. Let's pray to God.